0: today we are learning about uh, the lessons from the church of philadelphia uh this can be this city can be described as one of the newest cities uh, that have been we've been studying in this city this church that we are reading this is the sixth uh church that we are reading about for the past five weeks we've been going through different churches and it is my hope that the spirit of god has revealed something wonderful and beautiful to you A few weeks ago, Pastor Joanne asked us to think about who the Jezebel uh, in our life might be, who's influencing our life and slowly taking us away from the gospel uh, of living life for Christ. And this is something that I've been uh, pausing and thinking about in my own life as I reflect uh, and try to be more like Christ. So this morning, as I'm preaching about the city of Philadelphia, um, I feel akin to this city. I was born not born in Philadelphia, but surely identify as uh, somebody from Philadelphia. I uh, made the mistake uh, a few weeks ago by ordering a cheese steak in Deep Creek, Maryland. I was missing home, and I saw it on the menu, and I said, oh, I'll have that. And Christian got um, a, um, a hoagie as well, an Italian hoagie. And I asked her, how is it? Because she saw the expression on my face that it was not great. And I said, how is it? And she goes, well, I guess if you put Italian dressing on a sandwich, it becomes Italian somehow. It stunk. So anyway, so, you know, I can identify myself with that I belong to Philadelphia. um, And um, and so when I was reading this church and I was doing so as I was praying about this morning's sermon, there is a sense of nostalgia or a familiarity uh, with this church, if you will. So this morning, I want to give you a brief history about the city. Uh, This city that we are talking about today in terms of its geography is around the same region or very close to Sardis uh, that we looked at uh, last week, as Pastor Joanne likes to call it, sardines, which is fish. But anyways, the city of Sardis is right next to the Church of Philadelphia. And this uh, city of Philadelphia Uh, is not a port city like the others. Uh, It's inland as well. Uh, Back in its heyday, this city was called the Missionary City because everyone in the city left the city of Philadelphia so that they can go out into the world, into the rest of the known world, and teach them how to speak Greek language. Uh, In Common Era 17, uh, the city was destroyed uh, because this was near where a lot of earthquakes were taking place, and uh, King Tiberius kind of funded uh, for the city to be rebuilt, and because it was uh, built by a Caesar, they tried to name the city Neo-Caesar, New Caesar, New City, uh, but that name did not stick, uh, so everyone started calling it Philadelphia. So. So that's a little brief history and the geography of the city. But this morning, I want to speak about three things that we can learn uh, from this city. There are three things that I hope and pray that God is both speaking to this church in Philadelphia and is speaking to this church right outside of Philadelphia. The three things that, that God is holy and true. That's something we're going to be looking at. God is holy and true. And God is a God who opens doors. And finally, we are called to keep God's word. So today, uh, we pause and we look at that statement that God is holy. Friends, I hope you can answer this question without a doubt that we worship a God who is holy. If someone asks you, tell me something about your God. Who is the God that you worship? I hope you can quickly say that I worship a holy God this is part of uh, the christian identity this is based out of our judeo-christian faith experience the hebrew people um, when they were enslaved in egypt and god rescued them and pulled them out of slavery and they were starting their new journey into and walking into a promised land during that time god began to teach these people who never really governed themselves. They had no idea how to create a sense of community because they were pretty much told for 400 years what to do, and they did. And to these people who are just forming a national identity, if you will, to those people, God gives them commandments as to how to live, how to worship. And one of the first things that God tells them comes to us in Leviticus 19. This is God's revelation about who God is. And this is what we read. Be holy. Leviticus 19, 1. Be holy. I, the Lord your God, I am holy. See, this is the message about our God that is found consistently in our Bible. Everyone who follows the living God is called to be holy. And this morning we are reading one of uh, a book about end times it's revelations it's the last book the whole book is written so that we can learn and know what happens when right before God comes in all of God's glory when the second coming of Christ is fulfilled this is the end of God's story and here we are reminded again that God is holy so whether you go to the front of the book the middle of the book towards the end of the book we're always reminded to be holy so in all that we do in all that we say in all that we think we as Christians are reminded that we have to be holy we need to live lives that are not filled with compromises that are not filled with saying well it's okay well it's uh." no we're called to be holy we're called to be set apart for Christ. This is the character of God that God is asking us to reflect in all that we do. Another aspect that God tells the Church of Philadelphia is that God is true. In Revelation 3, 7, this is word we read. The word of him who is holy, we just talked about it, and true. The God we worship is true. Jesus in the Gospels uh, said this. In the Gospels, we read Jesus saying, I am the truth and the life. I am the truth and the life. Our God is true. If God promises anything in this Bible, if there is a promise in this Bible, I want you to know you can take it to the bank because it is true. The promises that God gives towards his children are true. In Jeremiah 31, 3, Uh, We read these words. um, For the Lord appeared in the past to us saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And friends, this is true. Because we find this in the Bible. And this is true. This is the simple truth that God loves each one of us unconditionally. No matter what. God loves you and this is true and we can take this to the bank this is true that you and I are loved by God unconditionally no matter what no matter what God loves you that is the truth that we can hang on to this morning and this is actually exemplified when we read the gospels that Jesus over and over and over again, we see that Jesus is showing unconditional love to those whom he encounters, especially to those who are on the margins especially to those who think they're not loved. Jesus reaches out to them and says, no, you are loved and you are chosen. I call you my beloved son. I call you my beloved daughter and that is the truth, that is the truth. The God we worship is true. A few weeks ago, Pastor Cindy reminded us that in the Bible, we see the promises of God. 365 times in this Bible, we read, do not fear. Do not fear. No matter what challenges you face each day, no matter what circumstances you are going to face this week, I want to remind you, God is saying, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God is with you. And that is the truth. That is the absolute truth. Do not be afraid. Take it to the bank for it is true. God gives so many more promises uh, for us in this Bible. And again, if you are going through a difficult time, if you are facing something this week that is really difficult and you're struggling to hang on to the truth and the promises in this Bible, we ask that you would uh, reach out to one of the pastors and we would be happy to pray with you, to walk with you during a time of challenges because the God that we worship is true. The promises that are written in this book are true. This past week, Pastor Joanne and I went to a training called the Global Leadership Summit, and uh, the line of speakers uh, for this were Christian people who were both uh, leaders in their own churches, pastors, uh, some of them were CEOs or high level corporate exec- executives in the business world, and they were all there to talk about leadership how is it that we are called to lead uh, these days and there's a guy that kind of stood out to me Uh, his name is ar bernard he's a senior pastor of christian cultural center in new york city and he kind of calls himself a bridge builder calls himself a bridge builder and the more he talked about he talked about how we need to work to build bridges between opposing arguments how we need to kind of channel that and how only through Christian love can we build these bridges. And he kind of shared this story as to how he was a key influencer when the mayor of New York and the police union uh, were at odds with each other. Uh, It was A.R. Bernard who kind of had those conversations with the mayor that kind of built that relationship back. And as he was sharing this story, he kind of anecdotally talked about his own life. He said, You know, as a young man, I belonged to the nation of Islam. And I I thought that was it for me. And I was there, and I was part of that. And then I heard the Christian message. And the reason I'm a Christian today is because what is the promises in the Bible are true? The promises in the Bible are true. And he said, the truth set me free. And there are so many other testimonies like this in our world, where the truth of the gospel sets someone free. The second thing that we learn from the Church of Philadelphia is God is a God who opens doors. Here, Jesus is talking about opening doors and closing doors. And we hear Jesus saying that once he closes a door, that door is shut. But once he opens a door, that door is always open and no one can shut this door. First, when we read this passage to the church in Philadelphia, we read this as well as we are talking in the larger context. This is something that we read in verse 9. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. See, the term synagogue of Satan means that Satan is gathered where Jews are gathered to worship. And again, I want us to be careful in how we interpret these words here because sometimes these words have used uh, to promote anti-semitic tendencies see what I want to share this morning is when you see the relationship between Christians and Jews we know that this was something uh, that started out as being conciliary towards each other Christians and Jews were kind of getting along together for a little bit And then the relationship became more hostile. There were some in the Jewish faith in the Church of Philadelphia who proclaimed that Gentiles cannot have a relationship with the the living God. But here this morning, we're reminded that Jesus opened the door for Gentiles to have a relationship with the living God. Jesus, uh, in the Gospel of John, we read that Jesus declares that he himself is the door. And through him, we have access to the living God, to Yahweh. Jesus opened that door so that you and I can be in relationship with them, with, with Jesus. And this morning, I want to offer this to anyone who's hearing this for the first time. Maybe you've kind of heard a little bit about Jesus, but nearly don't know what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus, what it means to say yes to Jesus, what it means to understand fully and deeply that God loves us unconditionally. If you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, if you are saying yes to Jesus for this time, I hope you can reach out to one of the pastors and we'd be happy to pray with you and talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Another application of this door is no matter where you are, that Jesus is there to open the doors for you. We know and we believe that he is the one who leads in all our ways. And this morning, there might be a door that you feel is shut before you. There might be something that you are praying desperately for, and you feel like that door is just closed and is not opening for you. Friends, I want to remind you and assure you of a promise that we read in Isaiah 43-2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not ablaze you. See, God is going to make a way for you no matter what. Even when you feel like the doors are being shut this morning, we are reminded that God is actually walking with us in that moment. When you feel like you are overwhelmed and you are being drowned, God wants to remind you that you will not be drowned. The waters of despair will not sweep over you because Jesus Christ is walking with you. When I mean, you are walking through challenging times and you are feeling like you are being consumed by life. The flames of this life will not set you ablaze. No matter what God, what you're going through, God is present with you. Take heart that God is about to open a door for you. No matter what you're facing, no matter how you feel like the door is closed, God is with you. And God is walking with you. I mean, nothing. Hear me say it. I mean, nothing. Nothing can overtake you. And this is a promise from the Bible. And, friends, it is true. Finally, we hear these words of affirmation and blessing to this church. In verse 10, we read, You have kept my commandments. Despite all the challenges in the world the church is facing, the church is facing many, many trials. There are two obvious challenges that we can kind of pick from this. First is the church of Philadelphia. The predominant culture is Greek culture that surrounds them. This is a Greek city. There are not a lot of friends of the church in the city. The society is filled with embracing the Greek mythology of worshiping idols. And Christians are are not told not to bow down to idols, but we worship a God who is spirit. There is not an image that we worship. We pray to our God, we close our eyes and pray knowing that the word God we worship is in spirit. but the culture that surrounds them is teaching something else. So they had to be constantly fighting with the culture that surrounds them and keep saying, no, the God we worship is different. It's not found in some image. The God we worship is spirit. And the God we worship is holy. We're called to be set apart. And then, as I read earlier in verse 9, there's this tension between the Church of Philadelphia and the Jews even though our faith comes from the Judeo experience, the Jews don't like the Christians. These Christians in Philadelphia, they're facing challenges from every perspective possible. See, this church is a small church. This church is not a significant church. There's not a lot of books written about the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Ephesians, and other churches. This is a This is a small church, and yet we read that they have little strength, and yet they have little strength, and yet they have kept God's word and have not denied our God. They are faithful. Even in the midst of all the challenges of the world, they did not deny God. Even though everyone around them surrounds them, they're saying, it's okay, you can compromise. You can deny you can just kind of say no to god no these guys kept their faith they hung in there and hear the blessing god says i will bless you i will bless you friends when we have that little strength and we hang on to the truth of god when we set ourselves apart and we strive to be holy in all that we do there is a blessing. These actions don't go unrecognized. God is saying, "I am going to bless you. I am going to bless you." Revelations three ten, "I will keep you from the hour of trial." God is saying, "I'm going to protect you when you're going through challenging times." God is going to protect us. God is going to keep us safe and then I love verse 11 and for those who have lived a holy life, who have kept God's commandments, who have not denied God, who have called them that Jesus is their savior, to them there's a promise of a crown. A crown of glory awaits each one of us who have lived this way who have lived the way the Church of Philadelphia lived. A crown of glory awaits each one of us. And I can hear our Savior say that day, and I can't wait for that day to be in God's presence and God saying to each one of us, looking us in the eye and saying, here's a crown of glory. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I cannot wait for that day. Friends, sometimes when Christian life is challenging and it's difficult, it's easy to say, is it worth it? Is it worth really doing all this? Is it worth it? Let me tell you, it is. Because one day your Savior is going to smile and look in your eyes and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen.